Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm in my early 20s and man has it been full of shit shows. <laughs> it's been great. It's been career changes, industry changes, pivots, highs, lows, crying, happy, everything in between and it's been great and I just really wanted to create the show to hopefully share with you guys that we all go through the craziness of our 20s. We all go through these shit show moments and we all grow through them. And I hope that you're able to see yourself in some of these stories. And if any of these episodes resonate with you, I would love for you to share it with a friend as well as leave me a review on iTunes. It really helps. And if you want to connect with me, my Instagram's the shit show in my 20s. And yeah, without further ado, let's get going. Today's guest is Yuval. I love chatting with her. She is an email strategist and copywriter based in Berlin, Germany. She helps entrepreneurs to market themselves without feeling guilty about it. She believes that ethical, strategic email marketing can introduce multiple freedoms into one's life. We go into so many incredible things in this interview. So we go into what made her want to start copywriting, how she got into email marketing, does copywriting have to be so complicated as well as conscious relationships? So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Yuval, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. So love to start. Tell me about your 20s. Feel free to include any shit show moments we might resonate with. Let's start there. Hi, Sophia. Thank you so much for having me. Well, where do I start? My 20s. My 20s were rough. I would say they have a, a mix of like a lot of fear, I would say, to begin with, and a lot of courage as well that I wasn't really even aware of. So I started my 20s by actually being in the army, believe it or not. I grew up in Israel. When you're in Israel, when you grow up there, and when you're a citizen, you have to go to the army right after you finish high school. And then I just went to the army and I was a journalist, actually, for three years. And I was a reporter and I was a news editor and I've seen a lot of things. It's not a like an army army kind of role. It was more civilian. So I was actually thrown very deep into like very high profile things like ministries and stuff like that. So that was kind of scary as well. And then I, I finished my army service and I did not want to be a journalist anymore. All of my friends, or most of them actually, they went and did other great stuff in, in the media in Israel. I was done absolutely 100%. I didn't did not want to do anything to do with either journalism or with writing, which is something that I've always done. So I kind of went into this hiatus period. And so I just went and did something completely else about another love of mine, which is food. I mean, you may be single, you may be bitter, but food is always there. And so I just went and worked in several restaurants and cafes and stuff like that. In between, somehow, I also moved to uh, Berlin, <laughs> Germany, and I studied sound engineering. So that's another part of, of me that I kind of wanted to nurture once again, which is the like musician hat, because I'm also a songwriter and a producer and all of that. So fun stuff. 
And I did that for two years, all the while, again, working in restaurants and cafes. And I wasn't thrilled with working in gastronomy, but that was some kind of a necessary evil. And I wanted to go back to do some writing and to not work with my body, who was exhausted at some point and completely broken. And I wanted to make money out of my brain because I was not paid to do that. Not at all. And that made me some kind of a, an impossible employee, to be honest because I was too opinionated or whatever. And right before the pandemic hit, for some obscure reason, call it intuition, call it, I don't know, whatever, I decided that I wanted to start my own business, my own copywriting business. And a few weeks before the pandemic was even a reality in Europe, I actually filed the documents to become a freelance or a business owner. And when the pandemic hit, I was still working in a restaurant and it had to close, obviously. And everyone were kind of like, Ugh, what am I going to do now? I'm going to be so bored. And I was like, heck yes, I'm going to work on my business. It's going to be so much fun. And little did I know, I knew nothing. And yeah, so I just worked on my business. It was a long trial and error process, which I'm still, you know, it's a journey that I'm still exploring nowadays and I'm embracing all all the parts of it. So so that's like on the professional side. On the personal side, I never felt like I really matched my biological age. If anything, I always felt like Benjamin Button, like I was born 72 years old and I'm aging backwards. So my 20s were basically the process of me matching my mental age <laughs> and not being as maybe intimidating or um, rough for people who were my age anymore and being able to date other older people, which is a marvelous thing. And so, yeah, my, my dating life during the 20s, my God, if you want to really... <laughs> learn something about yourself, move to a big city and date so many people and learn to love yourself <laughs> first. I think that's, you know, sounds kitschy and, you know, corny and everything, but I really do believe that. And from everything that I've learned, I I wrote about that and now I have a podcast about that, but maybe we can talk about this later. Wow. So there, there's a lot to go into there and I'm curious to go back here in your 20s, what what kind of fears do you feel like you were mentioning there? Ooh, true. I haven't touched on that. Um, so basically, I, I finished my army service being very frightful of my own capabilities, I would say. And I was kind of stuck for a very long time, not really being, I think, courageous enough I mean, I can say that now after a lot of therapy and, you know, a lot of untangling of all that trauma and everything, I, but with compassion, I'm saying this with a lot of compassion to my past self, I don't think that I was courageous enough, even though I moved, I moved continents and countries and started over again and again and again, I don't think I was courageous enough to show my true self to a lot of people or to myself. So I was basically hiding a lot of parts of myself that I'm just now at 29 and a half. I'm revealing for the first time and also revealing my voice for the first time, either via podcasts like yours <laughs> or via copy or via, you know, everywhere I go. I f I'm, not, I'm no longer afraid of showing up as myself. And that's something that I feel like my, I, I wasn't very 
present in or I wasn't using it powerfully enough during my 20s and I am so happy that I found it now and I am just you know showing up for myself Mm -hmm. I think that's huge and like I'm kind of curious if there was a specific moment that that kind of clicked for you of like oh like I'm not really unveiling myself like there's all these layers that no one's seeing there's all the stuff that I want to say that's maybe not being shared I'm wondering if there was like a particular moment for you where that kind of clicked I wouldn't say there's one particular moment but I I can guarantee you that my therapist <laughs> um, <laughs> bothered me for, for months and months and months and said that again and again and again for me to, I mean, at some point, I think it just finally sank in and I started believing her. And yeah, I think, I think, I think now I believe her. <laughs> I, I rather believe her. <laughs> uh, hmm. And that what was that process for you of like removing those layers like you went to therapy is there anything else you did during that time or like what what was kind of the process there so everything kind of magically I'm gonna say magically it's a bit corny as well but whatever everything kind of happened very organically in a way that really served me right so it started with therapy and then I also invested a bit more in my business and in myself with some coaching and courses that I'm still I love taking them but I'm being very particular with those because time is of an essence and joining communities and networking and all of that had to kind of happen gradually in a way that felt yeah again organically and good enough because I, I I'm still you know an introvert and I don't really like networking as much as it may seem differently. But there are a lot of parts that are still very hard for me. And yeah, I mean, it all kind of built up one on top of the other to the point where I'm at now. And I'm feeling more confident in showing up as myself. And whoever likes it, great. Whoever doesn't vibe with me that's fine like you will find your your peeps and that's that's all good but it was layers and layers of and layers of support and help from people with experience and knowledge and community I I cannot emphasize enough the value of community that really helped me to open up and yeah feel like I I can be myself and I can be loved thanks to myself in various areas of my life Mm, yeah community is everything because if you have those people around you let's say maybe you want to be more of yourself but they're not being all of themselves or like they're not supportive of you being all of yourself then it's not going to happen versus if you have a different community yeah absolutely the thing about community is once you actually join one and you kind of immerse yourself in one that you want to join more of them but yeah, I'm, I'm at this point where I'm, I'm really, really picky with how I spend my energy and where I spend my energy because, again, introvert. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just really making the best out, out of the communities that I'm in. And as much as I'm very, very seduced and tempted to join more... I'm I'm kind of holding myself back. So I think that's like these are the areas where I'm holding myself back the most, which is like 
joining joining more communities, joining more courses, getting more coaching. They, it will all happen at some point. I guarantee you, but but not now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to dive deeper into like what pandemic happens. You start you decide to start your business before then. I have to add this joke in here if I wonder how many businesses were started in the pandemic. But anyways, other than that, I'm wondering, like, why did you decide specifically on copywriting during that time? Like, why, what kind of like pulled you into like, it has to be like a copywriting business. I really want to do it this way. I'm kind of curious what led up to that. So a little bit of a funny story. I was kind of in a rush to open my business because I knew that the papers are going to take a while because I do live in Germany and, you know, paperwork is, is a thing here. And I just had to pick a name. So I opened my business and I called it Yuval Ackerman Copywriting. But when I just started, I was only offering content writing services, which is quite different. So in a nutshell, content writing is about telling a story and edu- your audience members and copywriting is more sales driven. So in the very beginning, I thought, mm, you know what, that's not really me, even though I did work in sales in the in the past, I worked in, you know, gastronomy. So that's service, that's sales, all of that. I did have some knowledge in that, but I I didn't want to be, you know, sleazy because that's the, you know, the idea that I had in my mind when it comes to copywriting. That's more than two years ago now. So I started offering content writing services and that included more like blog writing and all of that because I'm naturally, I'm a storyteller. I think I learned to read before the first grade. I was a bookworm (laughs) up until, you know, my late teens I always, always, always love telling stories of myself, of others in any kind of platform that I could. And so content writing kind of made sense to me, right? But then I started getting a few more clients and bigger clients and I wrote blogs for them. And then they also asked me, hey, do you also read, do you also write other things like Facebook ads or websites or emails? And internally, I was like, oh, holy shit. But externally, I was like, yes, of course, I can do that. Why not? Um, And that is the point where, you know, you expand your knowledge and you learn more about the thing that you do and the opportunities and the, the options out there. And I realized that I'm no longer doing content writing. What I'm doing is actually copywriting. So more of the sales And at that point, that was also the time, like around a year into my business, unofficially, I kind of realized, okay, this is the time to stop being a generalist and not offer everything and anything to anyone who's, you know, asking because I want to be really good at what I'm doing. That's always been my goal, will always be my goal as well. I really want to be specialized in one thing and known for one thing. I don't want to be a generalist. I want to be specific about what is it that I'm offering as well. Also, you know, for myself to kind of feel good with what it is that I'm doing and really feel confident with my abilities and my service. And yet again, it, it boiled down to how do I tell a story in the most ef- in the most effective way? At the same time, I started following all kinds of copywriters on Instagram. And the one thing that kept popping up again and again and again for me was emails. Now, 
if you told me, <laughs> Sophia, if you told me five <laughs> years ago or two years ago even that I would be an email copywriter and strategist, I would have laughed in your face so hard <laughs> because what I thought email copywriting was all about is those like sleazy tactics of people that are shaming you, that are making you feel all the FOMO in the world, which is basically what bro marketing is, which is like a term that we can also talk about for hours. Although like there are so many great other things that we can definitely talk about instead. And I realized, or I discovered that there's a whole different way to do email marketing in a way that serves both the business owner and the audience in a mutual way, in a way that brings value, in a way that tells an effective story. And then for me, that was, you know, where my mindset completely sh shifted around email marketing. And I chose email marketing as my speciality. And yeah, ever since I'm just trying to improve even that, even, you know, my abilities even beyond that in telling stories more effectively, more ethically as well, which is something that I'm really, really, really trying to kind of promote. Yeah, and, and just showing that it's possible to do sales in an ethical, non-sleazy, non-icky, non-guilty way. Yeah, yeah, I think that's huge because sometimes you think, oh, it has to be that way. Like it has to be done that way, but there's a totally different way that we can do it. And I'm wondering, like, why... Like, why is copywriting so important? Like, why should we, like, really take the time to learn about it? Why should we really take the time to implement it in everything we do? Like, why do you think it's so important for us? Well, I'm, I'm biased, obviously, but I, I really do think that words have so much power. We can go back in history to like darker times and think propaganda and stuff like that. That's that's all copywriting. We can think, I mean, but we don't need to go this far. We can basically think of, you know, what was the last new thing you bought in the supermarket and, and why? And I bet it has to do something with marketing. It's either the name or the design or the competitive price but words really do have meaning and power. So if you're trying to send, send if you're trying to sell anything, <laughs> on team, team email, can you see that? Um, <laughs> if you're trying to sell anything in the world, you need words. You need words to describe what it is that you're selling and why, and why you and not the competition. And let me say, you know, just add to this, why you and not the others in a way that illuminates why you are better and not why your competitors suck yeah that's huge and like do you think like okay let's say someone's like oh I'm not good at writing like I've never been good at writing I got like f's in school like I've, I've never been a writer like what tips would you give someone who thinks they're not good at writing on their well, copy you can, go, you can go around it you know in a few ways the easiest way, and I'm biased yet again, is hire someone who does know and enjoy how, you know, enjoy writing, knows how to write, has maybe qualifications, even though that really, like, honestly, really doesn't matter. Someone that you click with, most importantly, actually. But I really do think that what we're taught in school and what we were led to believe growing up is not necessarily the truth. If anything, I highly 
encourage everyone listening to question those things and try and yeah fail in the process because failure is a part of any kind of successful process it's a part of the journey try writing there are so many you know available courses out there that are really really either cheap or um, convenient or there are so many ways to kind of hone this this craft if you really want to give it a try yourself again if you want to take the easy way out then hire someone to do it instead and there's nothing wrong about that either yeah and I think sometimes when I like I think of copywriting I think it has to be difficult like it has to be something really difficult to write or it has to be something where like like you have to I don't know that's always been my thought about copywriting but like I've been looking at different people's copies and it's like so simple and to the point and like it's not difficult and I'm wondering if you could touch upon that because that that's the thought process I had so I'm wondering if you could touch upon what you think about that yes please let's normalize the simple over clever clever copy leads you nowhere if you write clever copy that is over sophisticated you are losing your audience please stick to simplicity write as you speak that's i think the the easiest tip or the most you know kind of down-to-earth tip tip that i i would give anyone any day i am seriously tired of copy that says anything like elevate your blah 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 or skyrocket your whatever honestly who talks like this <laughs> like <laughs> are you like do you go into a cafe and you say i i want a coffee a, a coffee a cup of coffee that would elevate my mood seriously like come on use those synonyms very very carefully because i think we also see that in the market over and over again and nowadays I, th I kind of have a feeling that those words are so overly used that the sophisticated words are the simple words i mean i'm i'm gonna say that every day right but for me easier better best i mean obviously you have to use them very very wisely because that can also be like overused but just choose simple choose simple over over clever that is going to win every single day mm, yeah and i'm wondering like when you're when you're writing something do you allow space for them to see themselves in the picture of what you're writing or do you make it more about you or i'm curious that kind of, what's your take on like how you kind of position that Ooh, that's a very good question the copy is never about me and it's never about the customer as well like the customer as in the client that I'm working with and for, it's not about them either. And I always write it in the, you know, the notes uh, in the copy deck, like the, the document that I send to them. It's not about you, like no disrespect, but this is written with the voice of your customer and with them in mind. Please don't take it personally. Like, I don't care, like not in those specific words. <laughs> Obviously, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about whoever is going to read this copy. They are the only people that I care about as a copywriter. So to me, it's not even about injecting my own voice into the copy. Not None whatsoever. It's about really relying on a lot, a lot, a lot of research, which is what copywriting 
is in comparison to content writing. We can touch upon this as well. Heavy, heavy, heavy research and voice of customer research and data, data, data of previous clients or your target audience and really getting into their head and supplying empathetic copy that they can read and feel heard and seen with. That's what effective copy is all about. Mm. And can you touch more upon when you're writing content versus when you're doing copywriting? Mm. I think if I'm oversimplifying if I'm oversimplifying things it would have to be about the calls to action. I think that's the major major difference between them. Content writing is all about, you know, explaining and exposing the reader to some new information and sometimes not always you would see some kind of a call to action at the very bottom like if you like this maybe you would like to hear to read more about similar topics, those kinds of things. But copy is really about making some kind of a conversion and a conversion doesn't have to be sale by the way it can be also clicks on emails it can be replies it can be any kind of engagement that leads your reader your consumer your clients through what we call the know like and trust customer journey because each and every person who comes across our way will go through this journey. You will have to kind of show up again and again and expose different layers or different aspects of either yourself as a personal brand or your product. If you're selling any, you know, product, either physical or online, and you will have to kind of guide your reader or your consumer through this uh, I don't like to use the word funnel that, mon- that much, but it's through some kind of a journey, actually, from not knowing you at all to knowing you, then liking you and wanting to hear what else you have to say. And then, and that's the hardest part, is the trust part, which is them actually making the conscious, informed decision to invest in what it is that you have to offer either invest time or money or both usually it's both because let's face it any kind of a purchase today involves both and then earn their trust again and again in the process so you can kind of retain those people those clients those consumers as people you know who are in your corner and can also recommend you to their friends because that's the most powerful kind of marketing till to the to this day you know word of mouth Mm -hmm. so you really want to kind of take your consumers through this journey and make sure that you're doing it again i will have to go and uh, repeat that again and again ethically please market yourself as you would like to be marketed too and you know also be patient because sometimes some people need more proof or more information about what it is that you're trying to sell So take them through this journey. And yeah, I think, well, that became a very long answer, actually. But that's, (laughs) that's the difference between content writing, which is kind of like one, one time thing and copywriting, which is more about a a full on process, I would say. Yeah, well, and I'm wondering if you ever like, 
mistakenly put like too much emphasis on you when you write or like how do you how do you shift it so it's always about like the customer and the customer's voice because I imagine it's kind of easy to kind of put your own voice or put your own ideas or like kind of put too much of yourself into it so I mentioned that before that but I think it's important to also mention it again copywriting is half creative and half data and market and market research and um, survey and and basically knowledge based. So when I'm writing any kind of copy, I first look at the data and the research. And from there, I'm kind of trying to empathize with the consumer, like the end consumer. So I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. So I'm a highly sensitive person. I can feel very strongly for anyone (laughs) that's my superpower and that's also you know a curse but when I put myself in the consumer's shoes I kind of write in the way that I would like to read something so again market the way you want to be marketed to but it's never about me Yuval as the consumer because I might write copy for I'll give you an example I'll give you a concrete example I wrote copy recently for a company who sells heavy machinery for other manufacturers. Can I empathize with that? I mean, but I could. I could because, you know, I had all the I had all the research and I had all the information and I had testimonials and I had competitor research and we made it clear together the client and me that it's not for the client who needed the copy, but it's for the people that they're trying to sell to. So, through all of that research all of this research, I could basically sit myself down and think of, okay, if I were that person, what would I like to read? What would convince me to carry on reading or to actually send the first message to inquire about their products? So that's that's basically the process. I think being a highly sensitive person allows me to, to do that maybe more easily than other people but then again copywriters in general are are super sensitive and super dependent on on data again and with data and with research and with getting to know your customers beyond the so-called like customer avatar like their age and their sex and their i don't know their income it's it's way beyond that so when you really get to know who is this person that you're trying to sell to, that you're trying to have a conversation with? Then it's, I mean, I'm, it's, it's my job. So for me, it's easy to do that nowadays. Yeah. But also copywriting, that's something that I had to learn. That's something that I, I am still developing and learning and refining and retuning all the time. So that's definitely a skill that I recommend any business owner to, to learn, even, you know, ever so slightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge to be able to reposition it and think about it in their lens and not your lens and really in a way that they can receive it. And I'm wondering if you were to give like a couple tips about like how to s- tell like a story more effectively. Hmm. What would those couple tips be? Well, I can provide you with a formula that I use when I, I'm trying to write my emails, my own emails. But formulas are something that you really need to use wisely. I will, I will give you the formula and then maybe we'll try to elaborate from it. So you start with a hook. So basically 
the thing that th the first sentence that lures you in to want to know more. So it kind of keeps you at the edge of your seat, some kind of a suspense. And then you tell the story. So you elaborate a bit on what is it that you want to say. Then you present your audience with a lesson that you learned based on the story that you just told. And then you present them with a challenge. So something that, you know, you've told them the story up until now, you told them the lesson. What would keep them again at the edge of their seat? What would actually make them want to know more? That's the challenge. And then you close with a call to action. And, you know, that's the formula, but I can basically give you an example that's yeah. going to be useful. Okay, so last week on my Newsly, Newsly, again, why do I say it all the time? My weekly newsletter, <laughs> I always merge words. It's a party up there in my head. I, I, oh my God. So in my weekly newsletter, I told a story about a business owner that I talked to who would like to alleviate or <laughs> increase her reply rates to her own newsletter. But surprisingly enough, she was never, she never answers or replies any emails herself. So that was the, I mean, I started with a hook, which was, when was the last time that you actually replied to an email? Then I told the story about this business owner that I talked to who's a wonderful, wonderful woman, by the way, and also using her email list very wisely for that. The lesson was we don't actually reply that much to emails because of 101 things. It's deeply rooted in our psyche and everything. And uh, I get it. It's hard. I don't do it as frequently as I want to. And then the challenge was actually, and, and I wrote it literally, I challenge you <laughs> to join me because this week I'm going to reply to at least one email that I'm subscribed to, like at least one list of the numerous, numerous lists that I'm subscribed to. And the call to action was regarding to the challenge. Are you in? Are you going to, ch to join me? Are you going to reply to this email? Are you going to do it yourself? Are you going to reply not only to this email, but to other emails that like lists that you're subscribed to? And so far to the point where we are recording this, my reply rate is around 11.5%, which is, to me, that's, that's a big deal. So there you go. There is one formula. There are so many other formulas out there that you can use. Use them wisely. See what fits, what feels right. Experiment, experiment, experiment. Become obsessed with your data and with your results and have fun on the way and mm. i guarantee you that if you kind of try and try and try and try and try and try and try by the end of the experiment and it's a never-ending experiment <laughs> you will learn more about your audience and you will know how to tailor your copy better than ever before so it's really worth it invest in your research and your subscribers your readers your customers will thank you by simply showing up for you in return. Mm, I love that. And I want to go in another direction. Before we started recording, you were talking about how you started a conscious relationship course, right? Is, is it a course? It, it was a blog. It was a blog? Okay. It became a podcast very recently. Okay. So it became a podcast. And I, I want to start off with like, if you could describe what a conscious relationship is to us. 
Oh my god, I think that's even a <laughs> bigger topic than ethical marketing. Conscious dating or conscious relationships, to me right now, if I'm really trying to tone it down into uh, one concrete answer, is all about being in the present, knowing that you're not perfect, that you're far from being perfect, that you have a lot of work to do, and yet you're doing the work that you need to do and you're getting your shit together and you're meeting someone at their appropriate edge as well and hopefully you can meet them sort of halfway so like each and every one of you either romantically or or you know just friendships wise you know you each know your strengths and your faults as well and you decide while being aware that this is worth investing time and energy in and for. So to me, that's what conscious relationships, that's what it's all about. Mm. And I'm curious, is there like a relationship recently that inspired this? Or is this has this been like an ongoing journey for you in your 20s? Or is this something that started like recently because of something? Or I think it unconsciously <laughs> started four years ago when I started my first kind of long-term adult relationship, which was a very unhealthy relationship in hindsight. But obviously, you know, it's always in hindsight, right? And what really kind of triggered this journey was December of 2020, or was it 2019? I cannot... What is time anyways? And um, I was dating yet another guy that kind of ticked all of my boxes and when I'm saying all of my boxes I'm talking about all of the like harmful tendencies that I choose again and again and again unconsciously but I mean I, I see the effects you know quite immediately already and how it affects my mood and my behavior and all of that and I just decided you know I, I was kind of saying goodbye to this person because he was leaving town on very short notice. And for me, that was like a huge sigh of relief because I wasn't even meeting him for that long. But I already felt like, wow, I'm getting, I'm, I'm falling down this rabbit hole again. And I'm becoming this person that I don't really like. So basically, I sat down with myself that afternoon and I was crying my heart out. I wrote a song that I really, really love and I might release one day. And I just decided, you know, I I am fucking done with dating the wrong people. Life is way too short. I deserve better. I want better. I grew up, you know, seeing healthy relationships in front of me. Why do I keep doing this to myself again and again? There must be something better out there for me. And mm. I might be oblivious to it. So for me, it was just kind of all about mapping my tendencies and seeing what is it that I go for usually what are my patterns my tendencies and then doing just the opposite so I usually go for like the people that I'm attracted to are dark and twisted and mysterious I will go for people who may come across at first sight as well I don't want to use this word shall I use this word stupid so like people that are infectiously positive and mm -hmm. seem like they don't have a care in the world. These are the people that I want around me. Because, heck, I have way too many worries. I am an overthinker. I need someone to contrast that. 
I need someone to really balance me out. Not that I put my emphasis or my hopes or all of my, you know, faith in the fact that, and that's some a huge lesson that I learned in my 20s. I'm the only person responsible for my own happiness. And as much as I want a partner to be there, join this joyride, they are not the driver of this train. I am the, the one who's driving this train and I need to have a few wagons on this train. Only one of them is my partner. The other ones need and have to be filled with things that I enjoy, things that make me me, and things that fulfill me in my, you know, in all aspects of life and in all of my hats that I'm wearing. And it's not fair to give one person the sole responsibility to be responsible for all of that and all of my happiness. It's impossible, it's unfair, and I'm, I'm no longer doing that. So I'm, I'm the one driving this train. I'm having multiple wagons, and only one of them, hopefully, sometime, when it's right, would be a partner who can appreciate my train, <laughs> this joy train, and hop on it as much as it's complex and sometimes inconvenient and, yeah, human it all is. Mm, I love that analogy. It's such a good one. And I'm wondering, I love also your reference earlier to being like stuck in the rabbit hole. Like you, you kind of know, like in your gut, we always have that feeling, right? Like we know we have to get out of the freaking rabbit hole and like claw our way out of it, but we're like so stuck in it and we're kind of like used to the chaos of it. So I'm curious, what are some of the tips you would have for someone who's like stuck in it right now? Try to reach out to someone who sees you fully and really. For me, getting out of my relationship, it was a process because I, I broke up with this person while I was still fully in love with him. I saw a future with him, all the sh shenanigans, right? But for me, you know, I mean, you mentioned, you know, this one moment when everything clicks for you. That moment for me was talking to a friend and colleague of mine at the time who really saw me as a full person even though I was maybe like a quarter of a person back then she said to me without without mentioning oh you need to break up with this person she asked me what is it that you can do right now to prioritize you can you prioritize your music can you do something that make make you truly happy what is it outside of your relationship that would bring value into your life listen to your intuition and I feel like if we're trying to kind of sum up my 20s it's all about listening again to my intuition and trusting my guts and finding value and driving value wherever I go whether it's through my conscious relationships or my work it's all about asking myself really you know like asking my guts does it feel right am I doing the right thing is it just fear you know this initial fear that we all have sometimes when we're just starting something new or is it something that is standing in complete contradiction to everything that I believe and everything that I grew up on so my 20s as much as they were harsh I mean I I'm very grateful for everything that I've been through I really think that as much as I think of my 20s as full of fear and courage and everything in between they're really all about recentering myself and rebonding with my intuition. Mm, 
such a good word, rebonding. I love that. <laughs> of course, you're a copywriter. You're great with words. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I have a final question for you. So if you were to go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what would you want to tell her? It's up to you if you want to tell her anything. You could tell her nothing. Your choice. Do you want the serious answer or do you want the funny answer? Both. Okay. I will start with the serious one because that one, one comes easy. Go to therapy sooner. <laughs> I, I am a huge believer in therapy. At the same time, I also think and believe that things happen when they need to happen and how they need to happen. So timing is everything, really. So I started therapy only a year and a half ago again. But I, and I, I wish I could tell myself, you know, go to therapy sooner, solve your trauma sooner so you can kind of make more progress faster. At the same time, I'm thinking, you know, I wouldn't have been here today if I hadn't had or made the choices that I made in the past. And I'm super grateful and I'm super happy to be where I am today. I wouldn't replace it for anything in the world. Of course, I would have loved if parts of my journey would have been easier. But that's what my 30s are for. But now to the funny answer. The funny answer is, it's going to be rough. And you're going to love it. <laughs> because I don't like it when things come too easy to me. You know? So yeah. you're going to complain a lot. And you're going to love it. So shut up. <laughs> that's so and funny. And you're going to find things. And you're going to like learn more about yourself well that's becoming more of a serious answer again i'm gonna cut it right here so there you go i mean you're gonna complain a lot and go to therapy sooner okay those are good things good things well where can we find you where can we connect with you where can we stalk you <laughs> if you want to stalk me that one would be at my address uh, here in berlin no i'm kidding <laughs> please do stalk me on instagram i mean i'm not a huge lover of instagram but i feel like this is the right place for me to be at the moment i'm at ackerman copywriting i believe that would be on the show notes as well mm -hmm. um if you want to see me practice what i preach in terms of ethical email uh, copywriting and marketing and strategy and all that you can join my list at ackermancopywriting.com forward slash subscribe that easy if you want to listen to my conscious dating podcast it's everywhere and it's called Loving Against My Instincts. And you can follow at the handle on Instagram of Loving Against. And if you want to be a guest on the show yourself and tell your story and what you learned from it, send me a DM and let's talk. Mm, I love that title. You're going to say about that. Copywriter. <laughs> no, that th those things don't come easy to me. I work on them for hours and hours. No, that one was an easy one, actually. But it's, it's so true because we might have the instinct of going in the same wrong relationship or the same wrong mm -hmm. person. And then it's like yeah, the exactly. same, 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 same. And then if you actually go against whatever your natural thing is. Against the grain. It's very hard and it's a very surprising journey. Um, and a lot of people would disagree. And I just love it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I loved it. Yeah, me too. Thank you. It was an amazing conversation and I'm so happy that we had to we had the chance to have it together. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.